Welcome and Happy New Year. Hope that everybody's doing well. Hope you're, uh, you've had a really good holiday season and are starting into this new year strong. Number one, want to say thank you for your patience uh, for this past month or so with the technology issues that we've been having here at First Church. Uh, I would ask you to stick around uh, towards the end of the, after my message towards the end of this video. I'm going to be making a, an announcement an explanation of our plan moving forward uh, with our online ministry here at First Church. If you're watching us for the first time, if you're new to our channel, my name is Ben James. I'm the lead pastor here at FCC Grayson. Thank you for joining us this morning. So in this new year, we are beginning a new study, Grow Together. So we're going to be looking at how we as a church family grow together. Now, one of the first things that I want to address and kind of explain is over the span of our digital media and our live stream and the content that we put out, and if you've been back in person with us, then you have seen on the announcement slides, one slide in particular, your story isn't over yet, hope starts here. Now, for a year and a half, almost two years, that's been there without any type of explanation or any type of further articulation of what we mean by that, that your story isn't over yet, hope starts here. But that has become the mission statement here at First Church of Christ in Grayson, is that when you come here, make the recognition, when you're watching this, when you're hearing us, when you're here with us, that your story isn't over yet. And for many of us, that's great news. And the reality is, is even if our story isn't over yet and we're in the greatest moment of our life, that there's more to come. Your story's not done. But if you're also in the worst situation that you could imagine yourself being and there's no hope, you, you have um, you know, just a zero positive outlook of how things could possibly turn out, your story isn't over yet. And that's really good news. And your hope starts here. Now, we're not making that statement out of arrogance or out of confidence in what we do here at First Church because it's not our church specific. And that's why I want to take just a few moments this morning and I want to begin this Grow Together series with expanding on that statement of your story isn't over yet, hope starts here. And we're going to look at some areas as to why our hope starts here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to grab mine as well. So Romans chapter 12, we're going to be reading verses 1 and 2 from this chapter, which says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God, we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful uh, for this technology, that God, even though it presents its own unique set of challenges and frustrations, that God, that through a time that we never thought that we would live through. This has been an outlet. This has been a means of connection that this time would have been far more challenging without this. So we thank you for that. We're grateful for it. God, we are 
uh, thankful for time in your word. We ask that this word change us, that as we hear this word, as we speak this word, as we process this word, that it would do its work in us. Lord, let your word do its perfect work in us. Father, I ask for the listeners, everyone who's watching this, everyone who's hearing my voice right now, that you would touch their hearts, that they would open their hearts, they would open their minds, they would open their ears to receive and hear from your word. God, I pray for me right now that you would use my voice as a vessel for your Holy Spirit. Inspire me, Holy Spirit. Give me words to speak and let my voice be the, the, the conduit of what you're speaking. God, I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we begin to look at why our hope starts here, I want us to take just a moment and realize that, that Paul uses a word here that many translations use the word urge. And I love how he kind of, I don't know if Paul's necessarily trying to dance in the middle here, but he doesn't present it so passively as him saying, you know, it would be a good idea. You know, I would, I would kind of really just think that you should do this. Uh, he, he doesn't quite go as passive of that, as that, but he's also not laying out a commandment here either. He uses this word, I urge you, brethren. I urge you, brothers and sisters. I urge you, followers of Jesus Christ, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And we're going to get into that foundational act as Paul is presenting it to us here a little bit later in this message. But why does hope start here? Why would we make that statement? And, and I think that if we look at the Phillips translation, and as I said Sunday morning, this is not the Deanna or Jim Phillips translation for those of you who are within the First Church family here. Um, but I want us to look at the way he paraphrases this because it's really interesting. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 12 says, With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Intelligent worship. You see, the Greek word here is logikos. And that's the word that we get our English word of logically. Logic, to think logically. That's where we get this. It's not an emotional thing that Paul's appealing to here. He's not, he's not appealing to our emotions. He is saying that this is something that should be reasonable to us. Actually, some translations use that word, reasonable service. You see, there's so many areas of our faith. There's so many things that happen within our walk as Christians and our relationship with Christ that do not make sense to us from a logical or a reason standpoint. And it's, it's meant to be that way because that's where our faith comes in. But here Paul is presenting this as this is intelligent. This is logical. This is is reasonable. So understand that he is saying here that offering ourselves as a complete living sacrifice to God with everything we have, our mind, our will, our emotions, everything that we have, that is reasonable. That should be logical to us. That should make sense to us. And I don't know about you, but that's one of the, the, the things that I struggle with the most is being able to lay all of me on this 
uh, this sacrificial altar, as Paul is talking about us making ourselves a living sacrifice. There's areas of my life that I struggle with so much of surrendering it completely to God. But that's what Paul's asking. He's like, this should make sense to you. Everything else I'm getting ready to talk about in this chapter, in this book, that may be a little bit more challenging, but everything else should make sense. This should be reasonable to you. So one of the reasons, one of the first points that I want to make this morning is that hope starts here because of the mercy of God. Because of God's mercy, hope starts here. And we can trace this all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 about God's mercy and why it's necessary. Genesis chapter 3 is the original fall of mankind into disobedience, into sin. Adam and Eve eating of the forbidden fruit, being tempted uh, and, and falling into their sin nature. And I think that it's going to be good for us to take just a moment and pause here and look at mercy. God's mercy, because we talk a lot about God's grace for good reason. We need to talk more about what biblical grace is because most of the time what we hear, what we see, what we read from main, mainstream Christianity is not the, the most solid representation of God's grace. But we focus on this amazing grace, and that's, we should. We need to. But sometimes I think lost in this focus on grace is we kind of lose the importance of God's mercy in our lives. Because in my opinion, God's grace, God's mercy, just two different sides of the same coin. I don't think that we can truly experience one without the other. I don't think we can experience God's grace in its fullness without experiencing his mercy also. And I don't think that there is an appreciation, the depth of appreciation and thankfulness for his mercy without being led to that understanding by God's grace. So here's a simple statement that I know many of you have probably heard, said, been familiar with in some capacity and in some form and presentation is that the definitions of these words is that God's grace is when we receive what we don't deserve. God's forgiveness, God's blessings, God's love, those types of things. We don't deserve those, but by the grace of God, we experience these things. Whereas God's mercy is us not receiving what we do deserve. So God's grace is us receiving things that we don't deserve, but his mercy is us not receiving what we actually deserve. So what we actually deserve is God's wrath, is God's judgment, is God's punishment, is the outplaying of his anger for our sins that oppose him and oppose his will as, as we are born into this flesh with this sin nature. That's what we deserve. But his mercy is what keeps us from getting these things and, and, and having to pay this price and this penalty for all of these things. And that's where his grace comes in because his grace came in the form of Jesus Christ so that the justice, the punishment, the shame, all of those things that we do deserve because of our sin was poured out upon Jesus Christ upon the cross. And he paid that price that we could never, ever pay so that we could experience his grace. 
You see, it's because of the mercy of God that we can lay ourselves down as living sacrifices. Because if we don't surrender ourselves to the mercy of God, accept his invitation for his grace to be extended through salvation in his son, Jesus Christ, then all we have to offer is the best that we can do. And I can speak confidently for me, and I can also speak confidently for you, that our best is nowhere near good enough to qualify us for God's grace. So our hope starts here today because of God's mercy. Now, like I said, I'm going to bang this drum for a little bit just to not, this is not a devaluing you. This is not a devaluing me because the value of something is set by the price that's paid for it. And we're going to get into this in the following weeks, but my friends, you and I were bought with a very high price. So this isn't a belittling of you. This is just trying to keep our eyes open to how we stand in and of ourselves, in our flesh, in the sight of God, apart from Jesus Christ. And then what that transformation is when we, when we have Jesus in our lives. So I want to look at a couple passages of Scripture here. Now, these are going to be on your screen as well. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Verse 4, but, oh man, how awesome is that word right there? But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Now, before we move on, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Now, we just spent a lot of time in the book of Ephesians, so you should be here you know, at least tracking with me if you've been with us this past year. Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desire and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, again, there's verse 4, but God, man, how powerful is that? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. How amazing are those passages of Scripture? I mean, just that promise, those verse four, both verse 4 there, but God. Because what we're reminded from verse 1 in Titus 3 and verse uh, 1 in uh, Ephesians 2, the thing that we're reminded of is just how, how dead we were, how hopeless we, we really were. And you know, and I think that we can make another point here and say that hope starts here because we can know God's mercy personally. 
And see, and that's just, we talk about this sin nature and how our flesh, that we're never going to be good enough, we're, we're never going to live up to a standard that's going to be acceptable to God's righteousness and His holiness. And sometimes I think that we reference Genesis chapter 3 and the, the subsequent time that passes up until Jesus' arrival, that we talk about that so much that it seems like our sin nature and our flesh nature, we can sometimes view that as Old Testament thinking, as, a, as an Old Covenant theology. But I wanted us to see in the books of Titus and Ephesians, as Paul was writing these, that he is highlighting the fact that even in the New Covenant, what we once were is never, ever going to live up to what we need to be in order to earn salvation. It's impossible. We see that in the Old Covenant. For thousands of years, people tried to live up to it, and they failed miserably every time. And you know what? I fail miserably every day. There's never a day that I've laid down and I've thought, man, I crushed it that today. I mean, I just, I absolutely knocked that one out of the park. There was no sin. There was no bad attitudes. There was no bad behavior. There was no corrupt speech. There was no gossip. There was no bad thoughts. There was no temptations. There was none of that. Oh, wait, that humility thing just tripped me up. You see, even at our best, even in our greatest moments, we still fall woefully short. And that's what Paul's recognizing in these passages of Scripture here. He's recognizing this, this moment of, but God. You see, that's when mercy and grace, it happens at the same time. They're introduced simultaneously to us because it's because of God's grace we don't receive the mercy. And it's because of the mercy that we are extended God's grace. And that's that verse 4 in both of these passages. But God, because we once were dead in our sins, but now we're alive in Christ. So hope starts here because of God's mercy. Hope also starts here because we can know this hope personally. The third thing, hope starts here because we can be committed to God. We can be completely committed to him. That's something that we have to understand because I think that what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is talking about here is it's not so much only and singularly a call to this recognition of his mercy and laying ourselves down. I think it's a charge to continually live and be dependent upon God's mercy. And we'll see that as it continues to play out through the rest of this chapter, but to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. If it was just a one-moment sacrifice that we needed to depend on God's mercy, then it wouldn't be a living sacrifice. It'd be a dead sacrifice. But we're constantly needing to be um, reminded and keep this in focus of God's mercy and God's grace. And yet, when we fail constantly, when there are daily struggles that we have, when sin seems to just constantly be circulating in our lives, we are extended God's grace and mercy yet again that he does not wash his hands of us, that we can stay committed to him through an ongoing dependence upon his mercy and his grace. So hope starts here because of God's mercy. Hope also starts here because we can know that mercy personally. Hope starts here because we can be completely committed to God. And finally this morning, hope 
starts here because we can go all in with God. Now, if we look at the, this phrase, this hyphenated phrase here, all in, we get a little intimidated. And I think we get a little intimidated because of a couple things. Number one, if you're a Spaghetti Western fan, uh, you know who you are. You've watched that John Wayne movie about 72 times now. You know that there's always these, these poker scenes in these saloons, and, and you've got this, this great, big, climatic, dramatic moment in this game where everything's on the line, and this guy takes all of the money, and he pushes it into the middle of the table on this five-card draw hand, and then all of a sudden the camera dramatically pans into his face, and there's this bead of sweat that comes rolling down off the bridge of his nose, off the brow down through here, and you just get this sense of, how important this all-in moment is. And if you're, if you're not of the age, because, I mean, we just kind of dated ourselves if you knew what a spaghetti western was, number one, and if you watched them, number two. But let's date ourselves a little bit, yeah, a little bit more current, not completely current. But if you were a World Series of Poker fan, when that was big on ESPN and that tournament, you know, we would see these people make these all-in moves. And, and some people would put sunglasses on and they would put a hoodie on and like, anchor it down that way that nobody could pick up on a tail of whether they were bluffing or if they had a real hand, but they pushed everything they had and they went all in. Yeah, I think we get intimidated because the dramatic nature of what we consider all in to be. I think we also get intimidated by this term all in because it feels like in our minds that it's moving from one side completely to the other in a one moment, in this single instant, that we move from boom to boom and there's no in-between. Church, I, 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 want to be, I just want to be transparent with you. And I want to share from your pastor's heart. We love having you in attendance Sunday mornings. Absolutely love it. We want to see each and every one of you in-house on Sunday mornings. But more importantly than that, I can speak this on behalf of myself, of the staff, and the elders here at First Church. We want you invested in this church. We want you doing the work of the kingdom. We don't want you to just be here to be here. We don't want you to be here just to take up space in a pew. Now, again, we love you being here, but that's just the start of it. We want investors. The kingdom of God needs you to be invested. The kingdom of God needs you to be active, working, serving. So as we talk about this all-in concept, understand that being all-in with God because of His mercy and because He's gracious doesn't mean that we go from here to here in one moment. Being all-in with God means that you're taking steps in growing in your faith. And we're growing together as a family. So I'm going to give you a few simple steps, some of these steps that you can take to say, I'm going all in with God. In my relationship with him, I'm going all in. Maybe the first step that you need to take is responding to the call of Jesus Christ on your life. Maybe if you're watching this, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've never given your life to him for him to be your Lord and Savior. You've been trying to wait on all the stars to align, the planets to align, and maybe I just need to get myself right. 
and I need to get some things taken care of in my life before I do this. Friends, we just talked about that. You're never going to get right enough. You are perfectly in the position, in the place that you need to be to experience God right now. So maybe that first step is giving your heart to Jesus Christ, responding to that call that you're feeling on your heart. Maybe a step for you is getting baptized. Maybe you've repented. Maybe you've given your heart to him. Maybe you've responded to that call. Now you need to be baptized. You need to be obedient to his command in scriptures to be baptized. Okay, so maybe you've got those covered. Maybe, maybe the step now becomes becoming part of the first church family. Now, I don't have time to go into a lot of the membership importance here of, of being a member of a local body. We'll get there this year. Don't worry. But I think that some of us have a, an understanding of membership of what we've currently made it as the westernized church. That is not the biblical definition of what a membership to a local body is. Maybe, maybe the next step is committing to the FCC family, being a member, being part of the family. And then maybe the next step after that is that you get connected to the family. We've got all kinds of options for you to be connected, and there'll be more. And we don't say this just because we're supposed to say this. We want you connected to the family. We want you to be part of the family. At 9.30 every Sunday morning, we have our Bible school class. We have these small groups that meet right here at the church, conveniently at a location near you, same time each week, that you come together, you study, you pray, you fellowship, and you get connected. We have life groups that meet at various locations throughout the week. Get connected to one of those. Become part of the family. It's time that this church ceases being individual islands and gets connected all together. So maybe you're connecting. Maybe you've taken that step. What's the next step that you can take? Well, how about we maybe commit to the vision of the local church? Maybe you're committing to the vision of FCC Grayson. And you know what that means to be committed and to serve the vision? That means to serve our community. That means to witness to the lost. That means to worship God. That means to pray. That means to live your faith and the vision and the mission of this church outside of the walls of this church. Again, we want you here. Your attendance means a lot, but your investment means even more. And if you're invested and committed to the vision of this house, then that vision is to take the message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, into your everyday life, into the people that you talk with, into the people you live with, into the people you work with, into the people that you see when you're out in public at a grocery store or shopping, into the people that you have difficulty dealing with. You know those people that you don't want to run into, but you do? Yeah, those are the moments that we truly see ourselves committed and serving to the vision of establishing God's kingdom in our community. And lastly, this morning, maybe this last step here, being ready to be uncomfortable for the rest of your life. Let me explain that one just a little bit. I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life that I can remember when God has asked me to do something where I've been completely comfortable in doing it. There's always this level of, of unease, of this discomfort that comes with what God is asking us to do. Because doing God's work 
will be inconvenient. It will at times be uncomfortable. It's not always going to fall into your plans. It's not always going to fall in the to-do list or the task calendar that you have set for yourself. His plans are higher than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's not always going to match up. It will be inconvenient. It will be uncomfortable. And just so I can share with you a little bit of a moment, and here's, here's how God works. So I've prepared this message. Um, I've got it ready. Uh, my wife and I, man, we <laughs> thanks to some of y'all, we went on like a gift certificate extravaganza this past week. So if you saw a bunch of social media's po- media posts of us talking about being out on date nights, um, it's gift certificates. So thank you so much for that. But my wife and I, we get to go out one night, and uh, it's so rare, so rare for just her and I to be able to go somewhere and just enjoy each other. Just have this moment, this dinner, this date night kind of concept. So here we are at the restaurant, and we are just, we're sitting in our booth. We're talking. uh, We've ordered. We're waiting on our salads. We're waiting on everything to start. And my wife gets a text, and she starts texting, you know, responding back. And I look up, and I see this gentleman. I mean, walking to the table. And he's making this real kind of uncomfortable eye contact. You know, you know the one where you, you don't know the person, but the eye contact is happening and, and you like break it and you're like, and then you look back and just to see if it's still there. Yeah, that was happening as he was coming closer. Now, the way that we were seated, there was no other options of places for him to go other than us. There was nothing behind us. It was just wall. So... He gets to the table, still making this eye contact with me, and he slides into the seat next to my wife. Another interesting point of this story was not only was this man coming at us, whom I didn't know, but I did know one thing about him. He was incredibly inebriated. Yeah, he had been at the bar, and that was very evident. So here this man slides into the booth next to my wife, and she's still responding to this text. So in this instant, she doesn't know that somebody else has come in here. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's one of two things that's happening here. Number one, my wife knows this person, and she's going to realize that here pretty soon. Or number two, we've got a drunk guy who has no clue what he's doing that slid in next to my wife. And I'm going to have to intercede on her behalf. And with his current state, I felt pretty confident in my chances of interceding on her behalf, if you know what I mean. Fortunately, my wife looks up for her phone, looks, they've known each other basically their whole lives. So this gentleman's sitting there, salad's coming, he begins to open up and he begins to tell us about everything that's been going on in his life. And I mean, it's just incredibly painful some of the things that he's been going through, especially here recently. And the beautiful moment is is that God opened this door that we were able to minister to him. But the thing that didn't necessarily add up to me is, okay, this is uncomfortable enough. Okay, come over. Let's have a little bit of a counseling session. Let's pray for you. Let's love on you a little bit. Then back to date night, right? 
Well, we got back to date night about the time that we got back to the car because he was there through the salad, he was there through the food, he was there for the check, he was there for them asking if we needed dessert, if they needed to bring us a box, and which they did because my wife, her being so loving and her being so willing to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced, she didn't touch her food. Now listen, I'm willing to be inconvenienced, but there are lines in the sand that, that is just not crossing, and me not consuming my food is one of those things. So she got her box, but here this whole time, I'm having these brooding moments. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I wasn't happy at times that my date night with my beautiful wife was being interrupted and being I was being inconvenienced in a really uncomfortable situation with a drunk guy. I wasn't happy about that, especially in certain moments. I was just brooding. And each time that I would get to that place, it was like God was reminding me, hey, what do you plan as your final point of your message? Be prepared to be inconvenienced and be prepared to be uncomfortable to make an impact in your community. Be prepared to be uncomfortable to make an impact in your culture. Be prepared to make an impact for your friends. Be prepared to be uncomfortable for your community. Church, today, I want to ask you, what's the next step that you need to take? What is that growth step? As we grow together, where are you? Take, take a moment after this video is done and really take some inventory in your life where is my next step? What step do I need to take? It may not even be on this list. It may not be. I just I feel like these are some pretty good steps. Pretty kind of broad brush that hit most of us. But what step do you need to take? Where do you need to grow? Where does your faith need to be stretched? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this challenge. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. God, I pray that each and every one of us would take this message to heart, that we would take this challenge, that, God, we, we can't just sit. We can't just attend. We can't just consume. God, we need to invest. We need to take steps. We need to grow in you, we need to grow individually, we need to grow together, we need to grow as a church, we need to grow towards you. So Father, help us stay focused on you. Because it's by your strength, it's by your joy, it's by your mercy, it's by your grace that we can grow together in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I ask you to stick around until I was done with my message to make this announcement to you. I want to come out and say it, and then I'll explain it. The live stream at FCC Grayson is no more. Now, don't mistake it. That doesn't mean that our online content is no longer. We are going to have online content each and every week. Actually, this is going to mean that our online content is going to increase. It's just not going to be live. So Sunday mornings at 1030, we're not going to have a live stream going anymore. We have uh, we fought with this off and on since we started, as has everyone. But this past month has really been difficult 
from a technology live stream standpoint. And it's beginning to affect in a negative way what happens on Sunday mornings. Uh, not only me, uh, but the staff and some of our volunteers who are very invested in putting out high quality stuff for you all. Um, there's, it, it's just not a great, great thing anymore. What we had hoped to do was to be able to kind of transition out of live streaming, to be able to give you a notice that, hey, we're going to be doing this in the near future, but here's what we're going to be replacing it with. Well, just as we didn't have much of a choice but to be thrown into the live streaming world, we're not going to be given much of a choice of coming out of the live stream world either because we can't figure it out. We've done everything that we could possibly do to get this remedied, and it's just not worked. So, as I said, our online content is still going to remain. It's going to increase, and it's going to be more intentional. It's going to be more catered to you, the online audience, than our live stream could have ever dreamt of being. But it's not going to be 10.30 Sunday mornings. You're still going to get your message every week. But it's just going to be a little bit later in the day on Sunday. You're still going to get moments of praise and worship. It's just not going to be happening live. You're going to get increasing devotion. You're going to get increasing thoughts. You're going to get increasing prayer times, increasing testimonies with this digital uptick that we're taking in our online content. It's just not going to be live. I apologize uh, for the inconvenience of this. I truly am. We really, really did try. But I promise you this. We will do our level best by the grace of God to put out the best quality content each week that we possibly can. We love you guys so much and are praying for you. Thanks for watching this video.